Let's try this again. <laughs> this interview is going to be five minutes because everyone's frustrated <laughs> and it's over. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, we figured it out now. Now I'm a pro. Yeah, now you are. I got to grab something real quick. God damn it, Patrick. Got my this is going to be a whole bunch of diva bullshit. This is the problem when you book expensive people, folks. Real pains in the ass. Here we go. Now I can see better. <laughs> Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, actor Padrick Shattuck. Yes, that's his real name. Originally from Rhode Island, a random cross-country trip where he delivered a car to a friend in L.A., got him bitten by the acting bug, and then he just stayed. Much like most other hot people we've had on the podcast, Padrick fell into modeling at first and then went into commercial acting, which has been his bread and butter ever since. I'm using a mocking tone. He has recently stepped deeper into film and TV since the pandemic, and he's gotten a lot of really cool opportunities that we can't talk about here, but are coming up. Yay, Patrick. He very pre- profoundly calls himself, quote, a simple man that has been serving the rich in many ways for my whole life, which I think is a great quote. And we're going to get into that. I better know Patrick from him protecting me from the most insane people in the world. Yes, I said it in the halls of the comedy club where I used to work and where he currently does. So tell us, Patrick, how different is L.A. from Rhode Island? Did you did you actually fall into modeling like a real asshole or like what's your get get us up to speed? All right, so uh, L.A. and Rhode Island are like two completely different worlds. Rhode Island actually can fit in L.A. like three times. It's crazy, but at the same time, it takes forever to get somewhere in Rhode Island. Anyone there will tell you. Like you got to go somewhere. It takes at least twenty minutes, and it's like a trip. But uh, yeah, to bring it back, it was uh, Halloween 2011, and my friend Natalie, she was living out here with her boyfriend. And uh, one night we randomly got on the phone and talked and she was like, I think you love L.A. I left my car back home. I was super close to their family. And she was like, just bring it out here and stay. And uh, I got two buddies, McKean and Chartier, what up? And uh, we did Rhode Island to Chicago, Chicago to Denver, Denver, Vegas, Vegas, L.A. And uh, just never left once I got out here. Pretty crazy trip. Ended up uh, when we were in Vegas, ended up winning like $2,000 in blackjack like the night before. Oh, so that was a pretty good start going into <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I want to pause you and go back real quick, though. So so yeah. why does it take 20 minutes to get everyone road? Like, I don't understand. Because the f***ing <laughs> made, like, one road that goes north and south, and then there's nothing that goes east and west, so you got to, like, get off an exit and then zigzag everywhere to get to a place that's literally, like, right there. Wait, shut the fuck up. Is that real? Yeah. It's just 95 south, 95 north. That's it. I, that has to be unique to Rhode Island. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Why did they not do east to west? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> and then there's a bunch. There's a bunch of roundabouts too. So then you're sitting there in a roundabout because you don't know what's gonna what's going on because everyone's an idiot and never uses their blinkers. So you're sitting there like, <laughs> when do I go? So. <laughs> okay. So you so you have this fortune of like having a good friend who's like bring my car out, and so you get buddies together. Now, did those buddies end up staying in LA too, or did they go back home? Uh, they both ended up going back home. One ended up moving out again later, and then like a year later went back home. But uh, my friend that I was staying with, uh, I crashed on her couch for like two weeks, got my own place by Runyon Canyon. It was actually the corner of a living room. 
I, I split it with this uh, other dude. And we just had like a, a sheet hanging in the middle and uh, became a, a, a cook at Stout Burger on uh, Selma and Cuenga. What? Okay, wait, we're going to get into that. Wait, no, yeah. don't do not do this. Don't do this <laughs> in this section. Hold on. We are absolutely getting there because, oh my God, I have to know everything because you did not yeah. put that in the thing that I knew about you. Okay, cool. So you share a sheet wall that I, I want anyone not who's never lived in LA or New York to understand how wildly common what Patrick did is it is super common. He's not crazy for having done it. And it is kind of the only way that it's affordable to live in the city. If at least in the beginning, although usually for a lot longer than you want to. So how long did you actually live with this sheet as your wall in between another human being in a living room? Just shy of a year, I think. How did you do that? How? How? You just, you, you kind of don't have a choice, you know, when you're kind of limited on funds and it's like, you don't know anybody and uh, you really don't know the city, you don't know how to get around. So it's like, if you're single and you're just hungry, you'll just make whatever works. So I kind of just, my plan was to like figure out where I would want to go. Cause they, what I, like what I kind of picked up is like LA is like a, like a lunchroom and it's like, you know, the Venice table and the Silver Lake table and the West Hollywood table. So you kind of figure out where you like want to sit at and then make the move. Well, um, I've never heard it described that way. That's actually stupidly accurate. That's so <laughs> right. And right? So, yeah. And who are the popular kids like switches? It was Beverly Hills yeah. for a while. Then it was Malibu. Then it was Calabas. It, like it jumps all around. That's so accurate. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So did you not to get all up in your business, but like, did you ever have anyone over to the apartment when you were sharing yeah. a sheet? How? We, we would have to, we'd have to let each other know. His name was Joey. And, you know, you just kind of let each, give, give each other heads up. So, you like, you know, throw your headphones on, watch a movie or go out or whatever, you know, just like. Wow. That's impressive. That's, that's the you know, or just not give a fuck, you know, and just come home 2 a.m. and just hearing all types of weird noises, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad you answered that. I mean, it's, I guess it's very similar to college and guys are very different. So whatever, not that big of a deal. Yeah. Okay, so you do that just shy of a year. And then how do you get your footing where you're like, all right, I, you know, I'm, I'm moving out. I'm getting my own place. How did that go? So I actually ended up getting in a relationship and then we ended up getting a place together. And then it ended up being two streets over, once still at the uh, entrance of Runyon Canyon. And what? then we just had a one bedroom and just went to work. That's convenient. Okay. All right. And so then did you actually, because I think when I made your bio, like I wasn't being facetious, you said you really did tell me that you fell into modeling. So was it one of those like Channing Tatum? So this dude comes up too much on this podcast. Was it the story of like an actor who just gets gets discovered like you got pulled out and they were like yo face on our billboard right now or how did it work no, no if that was the case I, i'm sure i would have been done with the service industry a minute ago <laughs> hello okay this was just like kind of like i was just kind of like on the fence like about being a i was being a, me and my friends we were out and someone was like oh i'm having a cast and i think you'd be perfect for it, blah 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 and i was like this guy's trying to fucking you know i don't know so, have sex <laughs> just say it yes yeah you know <laughs> So I was always a little off about that, but then I said, fuck it, went and did it. Ended up being like a legit SAG commercial. And wait, then, wait, wait, wait. Okay, you're you're burning through. This is Patrick's first podcast, so I'm going to <laughs> get really up his ass. I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. Okay, how you were just at a party and someone, well, we were, what happened? We were at a bar. We were, I think we were at the Roosevelt. Okay. Someone's like, oh, you know, I'm casting uh, this commercial, blah, 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 and then went in. And it was legit, and it was a internet sad commercial. Wow. Okay. Got my got my Taff Hartley. Damn. All right. So, yeah. 
So your fucking face got you the opportunity that everybody says isn't real. Okay, that's great. Congrats. I'm really happy for you. Yeah. The commercial was like a a bar spot too, so I oh, think okay. like I think the built like the storyboard came to life. He <laughs> <laughs> you, you inspired the commercial too. Not only yeah. were you the star, you were the inspiration. <laughs> okay. So you get us up to speed to today. So you're you've been in LA for since 2011 and so then you know you've had, we're going to get into the job thing later but like how did you get you know a reel together like how, how have you not burnt out and decided to go back to Rhode Island like what keeps you in LA grinding so like there's the whole 10-year rule thing you know put in 10 solid years and then like that door opens up and you know That's opportunity right. comes knocking so you know you got to put in a great amount of time in anything in order to be great at it so I just decided to buckle down and just do it. But there were a few years in between that I took like these traveling manager jobs for like ex uh, for like marketing, experiential marketing, where you like I'd fly somewhere, go to a warehouse, get like a big truck. So I took like two years off from acting in between, but like still did like a little bit of like things in between. And I decided to like grow my hair out. So like I had like a plan of just like creating all these different looks throughout like my life, and just so I could like use those to pitch, and then like get lucky with like a 48 hour project or uh you know or a short film or something like that and just use those together and then go out there and try to get an agent so during those two years that you were doing experiential marketing and what you mean is not that you were a model but that you were like doing the tear down and the setup for these live action like video game kind of experience things is that what you're talking about oh yeah fly in a Kenosha, you know, and oh, pack off the old truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. We, yeah, we go to like, I'd fly into like New Berlin and we'd go to this warehouse and I'd pack up and go to like Austin, Texas. So like get the drive and like check out cool places. And yeah, we'd go there and I would like build these huge setups. Like I'd go to like college day football games and build a big Reese's cup. And then the Reese Davis would come through and do a little promo. And then I'd tear it down and drive back across the country. Okay, so and during that time when you said you were getting multiple looks, so you would change your hair during these two years, go get a bunch of, of like photos taken with you in that look, and then you'd go back to experiential marketing? Yeah, I, grew, I decided to like grow my hair down like to mid chest and then just like kind of like capture like the looks that would go throughout the hair lengths. And then because this is like how I like to look is like short hair, easy. And then hopefully like when I start getting my foot in those big doors when they start doing their research on me they'll see like oh we he could play this or that because he's already captured the look so it's easy to package and sell that's really smart actually and did your agents give you that suggestion or was that just your idea that's me i just i i've been trying to get a fucking theatrical agent for like eight years and it's like impossible how are you not repped i have i had good i just switched over for commercial the other day actually i had like the same for like four or five years but I just was like, the, I'm like the king of doing epic shit and it just gets cut. I did this T-Mobile commercial where I had my hair was all the way down to here and I was I was Thor and uh, it was like this kid and he's like, he's, he's sitting there streaming on his phone and then it's he's watching like the Avengers or something, you know? And then to the left of him was me like just standing tall with uh, the hammer and like a cape and everything, just like this super badass shot and then it keeps, and then the camera keeps dolling over. And then it's like this girl and she's listening to a Justin Bieber song and then Justin Bieber's sitting there singing to her. So it's supposed to be like all this shit coming to life. But then they cut me out and the whole fucking thing is Justin Bieber. Oh, that's so annoying. So did you even get to count it as a credit? No, I just got my I got my session fee and I got like a year holding. 
or something uh, like that. I mean, that's not terrible money, but that still sucks. It's, it's, it sucks. Yeah. And then same, same thing happened with Taco Bell. for I, It was almost three years I was on Taco Bell's payroll, or two years, something like that. <sighs> I shot this commercial, and it had to do with a, the wedding. It wasn't even a food item. It was the wedding chapel they opened up in Vegas. It was, a, once again, long hair, but I had a big beard, and I played a Chippendale dancer. And uh, <laughs> we shot like this wedding scene, and uh, I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but then the, the Vegas shooting happened, and okay. then the commercial never aired, but then I got... I got holding fees every 13 weeks for like two years. Mm. So I never, I never got to go out for food. Wow. Yeah. That's really, so for people not in the industry, what that means when he says he got holding fees and that he couldn't go out for food, what he means is he was locked onto a commercial, like as a face actor on, for a national spot on television affiliated with one particular fast food chain, which was Taco Bell in this case, which means that he couldn't then go do, be the face for Pizza Hut or he couldn't go be the face for McDonald's or Applebee's or any food, like national food chains. Because Taco Bell had him on lock, which is, I mean, you are getting paid, but it doesn't, it's nothing like if it airs and it's nothing like if you can book three commercials in a year, et cetera. So that's a bummer, but you have a good face. And so life will work out for you as it does for all the hot people we've had on the podcast (laughs) that I try not to be bitter towards. So good job, Patrick. Enjoy your fucking hot face and good life, whatever. All right. So. Get us up to today, though. So you so you were, uh, and we will get into the job stuff, but you were working at a comedy club before the pandemic and doing commercial stuff. How has this past year affected your career? Has it been good or bad? To be honest, it was, for the career, it was horrible because it, it came down to, like, there wasn't even crumbs anymore for, like, us to maybe get. It was, like, just little tiny sealed meals, and it went to, like a, like, a certain roster. So if you weren't, like a certain type of big dog, you weren't getting anything at all. And then maybe if you were fitting like a niche part that they were seeking, you can maybe get away with that. But like, it was just, I was getting nothing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. And then what sucked is I shot a Nissan. I had, all right. So I had a, a Ram truck commercial that aired for like a year and a half. And then it, the contract ended. It was like November 18th. And then December, like six, I booked Nissan. And it was a truck commercial. And then I shot it like the December 26th. And then the pandemic happened like, you know, February. So then that Nissan commercial never aired. But I literally was on their payroll until literally last month. And Ram reached out during the football playoffs and was like, we want to run your commercial. We want to rerun your commercial. But fucking Nissan had the conflict. So I couldn't uh, have that commercial running. But. Ram accidentally aired it for one weekend during uh, like the conference conference games. So oops. I got this one like nice. <laughs> I got this one like oops check, but like that one oops check times like four weeks uh. <laughs> would have been huge. And Nissan just was like, "Oh no, we're gonna air your spot. Don't worry." They never fucking aired it. They let the they let it like run out until the the contract was up, and it just again fucked me. And I was like, "Man, yeah, that would that would really." That would be disappointing. I mean, you've done more than a lot of people have done. Like to have had to have any kind of national spot is pretty great, but that would still be that. It's just like it's worse because you got a little taste of it. So yeah, yeah, that 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 sucks. Okay, well, is there so so now in twenty twenty one? Is there or yeah, well, Jesus, what what year is it? In twenty twenty one, are you like 
feeling good now. Things are starting to open back up because you're currently in L.A., right? We're doing this over FaceTime, everybody. Sorry, I forgot to say that. And it sounds like it. And I'm sorry. And you guys already know. But you're in L.A. right now. So what is it? What's what's the market looking like now? How are you, how are you feeling about the next steps? I always like I always am optimistic. You know, 99 bad things can happen. But if there's one, that's all it takes. And to be honest, uh, things have been pretty good for me in the past like month things popped off i've been getting a lot of like self tapes so like now you like we're forced to like create these fucking home studios like we're supposed to like are you gonna like i should i need to send in a couple invoices because it takes three times the amount of time to create my space record it edit it wait for it to upload and then send it out than it does to fucking memorize the lines and fucking spit it so Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy what we we go through it's already a lottery pick it just a lottery pick just to get our um, little tiny thumbnail headshot clicked on and then side sent to, and then it's like, come on. That's right. Like, so just yeah. keep, just keep moving forward. And you know, it's, it's bound to happen. If not, then fuck. <laughs> if not, then <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Folks, if you haven't picked up, he's, as we said at the top, he's from Rhode Island, which is the East coast. Might as well be Boston. Don't get mad. I know. Don't get weird. That's a thing. So, uh, that won't be the last time you hear the word fuck. All right, folks. Well, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to go on to the entrees after a quick break. We are back and now it is time for the entrees. Okay, so you sent me uh, like a clearly very abbreviated list of the jobs that you've had. And so the first question I usually ask is, what was your first job ever, ever, ever? First customer service job where the government was taking taxes out of your income? Dunkin' Donuts. I was like 16 years old. I was like junior high school. Okay, what were you doing for Dunkin' Donuts? Just uh, you do everything, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I've never worked there. Tell me. (laughs) <laughs> you make the coffees, you get them the donuts, you toast the bagels, you know. <laughs> At, back in those days, you actually had to cream, you had to spread the cream cheese on it, you know. Oh, and wow. It had to be like not too much, not too little, you know, so. <laughs> Did you like that job? To be honest, at 16, that job was sick because it was like, I think a mile from my house. And free donuts and free coffees is like the best. Yeah, nobody hates that. Okay, so Dunks was the first thing. Uh, what was your next job? Well, it's funny. I uh, well before we move on to the second one, I, yeah. I got fired. I got fired from Dunkin' Donuts because uh, I called in a bomb threat. What? Why, Patrick? What's <laughs> what's what what? So the the story goes. Uh, <laughs> Not how it goes. What the fuck happened? Don't make I it got, up. I got out of basketball practice and on my way home, I was like, I'm going to swing by and get because I always know you. We always throw out 100 million donuts at the end of the night. Really. So, yeah, we just fill the trash cans with Boston creams, you know, chocolate, old fashions, the good stuff. This so. is sacrilege. <laughs> what? I know. So I roll through the, the drive through and there's two girls working and one of them knows I'm like a jokester or whatever. And the other one, not so much as obviously. And <laughs> I go there to get like a colada. What was it like coffee colada? Was that like the. Yeah, yeah. Those used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was getting get one of those and then uh, some donuts and all that. And then. I pull up and I'm literally at the window and I'm like looking at one of them and I pick up the phone and I call and the other girl runs over and she picks up. She's like, thanks for calling your local Charlestown Dunkin' Donuts to it. You know, <laughs> and I was like, if you ever seen how high I just like pretty much impersonated like Method Man when he called in a bomb threat to Harvard <laughs> and it was like, there's a ticky talkie bomb <laughs> inside. And then the girl immediately hung up, called 911 and was like, Becky, we got to go. There's a bomb. And oh, like, my God. And then she's like, yeah, oh, that was Ryan. And then they're like, just go home. We'll tell him. We'll tell him it was a joke. So I go home and 
my mom works third shift, so the poor thing is like just waking up from her uh, her nap during the day to go to go to work, and then all of a sudden, like six fucking Charlestown cops fly into the driveway, run upstairs, and like bust in. And then they're like, my mom's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's just, they were just like, you can't fucking do pranks like this, 9-11, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, so I had to do 20 hours community service. Ooh, they like, why did they dime you out that it was you? Why couldn't they have just said, we don't know who it was? I don't know. Wait, why did Dunkin' Donuts fire you? You were off the clock. Doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it made the news, so. <laughs> The, ne- the next day at basketball practice, my coach was like, so uh, I was watching the news last night and I saw a local local Dunkin' Donuts had a bomb threat called in by a 16-year-old that couldn't help but think of you. <laughs> Did you tell him it was you? No, not then. I was like, no, it wasn't me. But then, like, I think, like, my senior year, I was like, just so you know, that was me. He's like, I knew it was you. <laughs> He's like, you don't need to clear this up. This is old news. Yeah. Okay. Well, how many customer service jobs have you had? Oh, my God. I can't even count. I've done it. I've done it all. I've done landscaping, valet, serving, bussing, fucking security, all that. Everything I just said, private, you know, like you name it, levels to it. Lifeguard. I was a beach lifeguard for three years. That must have been great for your social life. Oh, it was was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could have captured your face right there. (laughs) Shout out to Patty's Beach. Uh, <laughs> we were we were the let's just say I'll leave it at this. We were we were the only beach club that had a lifeguard tower. Okay, so you could clean up is what you're saying. Yeah. Great, that's great. <laughs> Did you actually rescue anybody ever? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, there was you some like see, sometimes you get hit with some crazy shit because of uh, the hurricanes that come up and like for some reason people that live in Connecticut. <laughs> Not saying everyone's an idiot there, but most people from Connecticut, when they come to Pasquam and get to go swimming, they leave a shirt on, and that doesn't help. So, like, with yeah. the undertale and stuff. So, you did you have to give CPR? No. So, you just pulled people out that were dumb? Yeah. That's not very exciting, Patrick. Why don't you lie? Make up a story. This is a podcast. Well, there was, a, there was one time I, like, I clocked out at, like, 5, and a guy died at, like, 5.30. Are you serious? Did you just make yeah. that up? That's serious? No. Yeah. Why? Why did he die at five thirty? Like, what was the the other well, lifeguard well, didn't care? The surf was so rough that like everything was already shut down at like ten a.m. But some some people stay on like every other like quarter mile just just in case. Then like towards five o'clock, it's already it's dark. It's like come on, no one should be going in the water. It's insane. But then some people think it's that's good time to go out there and boogie board or something and then so he got pulled under and wow that sucks okay so can you ballpark the um, the number of customer service jobs you've had just ballpark would you say 30 over way over 50 Pro- definitely over like i'd say close to like 100 i've been fired so many times <laughs> for more bomb threats we're not to that question yet but just tell me what's like what's why do you keep getting fired because i just like once you realize like there's there's natural law you know like we're all we're all humans like we all bleed the same i just i just couldn't take it i cannot stand ever being like talked down to like i was less than what you were That's and it, it would and it would just and i just have i don't know maybe an anger problem so <laughs> <laughs> what okay wait can i tell a story then of something well we'll get there i'll remember um okay wait we're gonna get back to getting fired a bunch but of okay so what was your favorite of the 612 customer service jobs you've had my favorite yeah 
Well, I would say the the that would be what I have now, which is security guard at the world famous comedy store. Wait, you don't have to be political. Is that actually your favorite fucking job? I for so many reasons. Really? Yeah. Wait, why? Sorry, I should ask that different. Why, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like one, it like the flexibility for like the life that I live, mm. and then the fact that like out of the blue, I, I'll be able to like walk through and watch like some of the best comedians perform. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, and then the partying is awesome. <laughs> That's honest. Okay. <laughs> and uh, just like, to be honest, just like the nostalgia, just being there is fucking amazing. Like right now, like if anyone ever goes there, like if you go and stand in the front patio of the of the comedy store right now, you're standing on like one of like, four, what, like four epic landmarks. And then you look to your left and it's literally, it's like, I'm not going to say their names, but there's like six hotels and one head, span, uh, one head fucking span, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just crazy. So it's like just being there is like, man, this is this is what like it was all about. Like this was the place to be, blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. even when it was like a, a little mobster club and all that shit, like mm-hmm. it just always had the hot spot. How'd you get the job? So funny enough, I replied to this like ad that didn't say what it was for. It just said like high end security blah 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 and like all the requirements and i submitted it and then when i got the address i didn't even look it up beforehand i just like literally waited until like an hour before my interview and typed it in and then i was like oh fuck the comedy store and then i was like oh shit that's cool (laughs) (laughs) and then went in and then uh, met with curtis and then he's a good dude brought on another good dude and we were fucking just a couple cowboys you know that's right yes curtis is great okay so you uh, you reply to an ad, you find out where it is, and did you have to get your guard card and do all of the like official security guard stuff, or was this more like just don't be d- don't be out of shape? Well, I was already doing this before. You know the Troubadour? Yeah, I did security there like seven years ago, and then if you remember that bar Happy Endings, I I worked there for a, for a minute, and then I stopped doing security and went into like a bunch of other things, and then came back to security and worked at these these like clubs these like hip-hop clubs and then there was like a shooting one night and i was like yeah i don't want to die for 15 bucks an hour so then then i just quit and then i was actually gonna like step away from security because you're just always like the target for someone trying to like everyone wants to dance and i hate it (laughs) i I don't know i I don't know why everyone just thinks they're a tough guy when they see like like a, a bigger person working a a job like that it's like it's just so much easier just to like just do seventy five percent of what is being asked and everything goes smoothly. But for some reason, most people just they got a lip or they just got to test you or something like that. It's, what do you think that is? That's just like a childhood trauma of like not wanting authority to be telling them what to do. Well, mo- most men do it in general because it's like encoded in us. But like in L A, you're I can't even tell you how many times I've had these people who think they're tough, and as soon as I give them a quick. You know, a quick little side. <laughs> they, they're, they're, you know, their their knees are buckling, their hands are flying over their head, and they're like, you know, true colors are popping. So I think most of it in LA, at least, is people just thinking every like life's a movie and it's not. But then, like, if you go like where Curtis used to live, or like even like some places where I used to go out on the East Coast, you you, you kind of there it's different. It's like all right, you go out and you have like two intentions. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna get fucked up. 
get some pussy or I'm going to get a fight. You know, it's like those are the two <laughs> options. <laughs> Sounded like three, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, getting, getting fucked up is. <laughs> it's just understood. <laughs> okay, yeah. got it. Okay. So, so do you, do you feel like your acting life is supported by security stuff? Like does, secur- you say, does security fit better than when you were bartending or when you were serving? Like, is it just because it's nighttime and then couldn't you just bartend or wait tables at nighttime? Like what is it about security specifically that works for your lifestyle? So I was bartending and doing like security here and there, but then like, even though the money is a lot better, mm-hmm. it's just like that whole lifestyle of just like having to serve people and being, on people's back and call and people yelling at you, people stiffing you. Once again, people lipping at you over the bar, just like over and over and over. And it's just like, no, there's been too many times. Once again, been fired too many times telling someone like, I'll clock out and clock you out if we keep fucking doing this, you know? <laughs> well, I have a story. I don't know if you remember this, but when you were very new to the comedy store, you were, um, I was in the section that was like right before the green room. So there's an area in the comedy store where people think that because it says exit, they're not being total assholes. They think they can walk that way, but it's where all the comics are. So you have to guide them out a different way. So you were helping me block the exit. And I asked you, I was like, Oh, like, you know what? You've always done security. We were just having some innocuous conversation. And then you tell, you told me then you're like, Oh, I used to bartend. I did that right before this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, that's better money. Like, why don't you bartend? And you were like, Oh, I fucking hate people. And then you just (laughs) smiled. And then you just kept telling people where to go. And I could not stop laughing. And then the other story of you was I was working in the OR, which is uh, the room for people who don't know, uh, that has like stairs to get into it. And so we had to pass through the hallway and go like up the stairs to get in there and we were carrying drinks or whatever. And all of a sudden, I forget who was on stage, but I hear this crazy commotion in the hallway. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, yeah, it's probably some drunk idiots. And I see three security guards holding Patrick off of this guy who was swinging at him very openly. And Patrick (laughs) very calmly was like, I can handle this. Like, you weren't yelling. You were just like, I got this. And then (laughs) you turned to, I think it was Amir. I don't know which security guard. And you were like, no, no, I'm just going to fuck him up. And you said it so quietly. (laughs) And then you turned back (laughs) to the guy and then they pulled the guy out. But I was like, wait, that's the demeanor you have to have in security. I mean, like definitely muscle up, but also just like, oh no, no, I'll just bash this dude's face in. Like it's totally fine. Yeah. Like my, my, like I always try to be the the negotiator, the, the talker first, like talk you off the ledge because there's so, there's more security guards that are ready to just like pounce. They have zero, they have zero, they have one strike, if not zero, you know, no tolerance for bullshit. And you need those type, but I always try to be the type that would just kind of like talk it down, make it a little bit funny, like let's let's hug each other because at the end of the day, it kind of usually goes that way. Like when guys will be guys, you know, next thing you know, they're having beers. So I try to like just cut and get right to that. But that particular night, the one you're talking about, I think it was Tony Hinchcliffe that was on stage and there was this, this guy was at a table and he literally was just talking like you and I are fucking talking. And he was told like, I think twice by a waitress and then also two more times by the door guy like just if you're gonna talk just go outside like oh, you're being rude the comics were also commenting on it the comics were like dude please stop because yeah. he wasn't even talking to the comics he wasn't having a banter he was yeah. literally just having a full-blown conversation yeah so i just went up to him and i was like all right man like you've already been warned warned a couple times i'm gonna have to ask you to leave just please come with me and then he's like getting a little little tough a little louder and i'm like i was like please stop doing this just follow me out we can we can have this conversation outside i was like there's no need to make a scene he's like if you want me to make a fucking scene i'll make a fucking scene then he stands up and starts like yelling and shit and then i can hear on the my my earphone someone's like code red code red or 
and then that's when I forget what security guard it was. He doesn't work there anymore, but he like ran up and he was there and he kind of like stepped in. And then the guy just kept like fucking yelling and he was, we were just like, all right, if you yell one more time, man, we're going to have to fucking drag you out. And then he's like, fuck you. And then he like goes like lunge with his like right. And I just kind of like ducked under his right and kind of like, if anyone knows what a rock bottom is, I just kind of put my, that's when you duck (laughs) and put your left, (laughs) you duck (laughs) under the left arm, put your your right arm over his shoulder and I picked him and just threw him down the three-step staircase mm-hmm. onto the ground and then I was just I just told him I was like stop or else I'm gonna have to fucking bounce your head on the ground <laughs> <laughs> do more but then he kept coming after you like yeah, he, he was then, swinging he stayed off he stayed out front for like an hour and he was just like he obviously was like coked out of his head and like yeah. once you saw him outside because he was like chewing on his jaw and shit so it was like that, that that he was just a ticking time bomb. I just happened to be there to be the one to tell him, and he had to leave. It, it could have been anyone else, but it, it was just me. What's your What was your least favorite of all your customer service jobs? Uh, I worked in the hills a lot. Like I've worked a lot of like hush hush parties, a lot of NDAs, a lot of you know like Oscar pre parties, after parties, shit like that. So I'd say like along the lines like some of those because you know these people are getting like treated like gods yep. and goddesses. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they still just have to like treat someone like shit. Isn't it shocking? And like, even if something has nothing to do with you, like if it has to do with like the lighting or the sound or something, like you're, I'm holding a fucking plate, a tuna tartare. I can't fix the speaker. You stupid bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's also, you know, it's interesting because. A lot of people have said to me, you know, oh, isn't it cool to, you know, prior to working at the comedy store, they'd be like, oh, you've worked with so many celebrities and blah, 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 because I was doing events too. And I went to all of, I I worked a lot of those like tiny private events and there would be uh, A-listers there. And I would say to them, no, it's, it's not actually cool. Like it's torturous. They see you as the help. They, they don't often, they don't always treat you as the help, but you're not seen as a peer. And when you're in LA to pursue art, especially when you're an actor, you want them to see you as a peer. You don't want them yeah. to see you as the person cleaning plates off the table. Not that there's anything wrong with that job, but it would be like someone whose goal is to be a doctor, having to be a janitor at the hospital and having the doctor shit all over them when they know in their head, they're like, I'm smart enough to be a fucking doctor. Like I can do the job you're doing and you're treating me like shit literally just cause it just, yeah. it's torture. It's torture. It would be it really, it really, yeah, it's not ideal. I could see why that would be the worst. Um, you said $15 an hour is not an amount of money you're willing to die for. What is? Is there an amount of money that you would consider putting your life at risk? Not really. Okay, good. <laughs> That's the right answer. Yeah. Okay, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst you were on the clock? So, this is a true story. I was working, it was like one of those events that's like um, at a house. It was a house catering party, bartenders, servers, you know, and then a little bit of entertainment. And then people come in like waves, but then there's a type of, crowd that hangs out a little later and i think the event was like seven to twelve or something like that Mm -hmm. and then we were approached the bartenders and they're like if you guys want you can stay for another two hours and we'll pay you i don't know it was like 100 bucks an hour or some shit like that Mm -hmm. and you gotta pop your top and like bartend for like and all his buddies (laughs) i was like i'm good oh boy (laughs) (laughs) i'm good wait you didn't do it no, I can not. No, not in a million years could I ever do some stupid shit like that. There's so many fucking pretend fucking tough guys out here or cool guys who will gladly close their fucking eyes or do whatever it takes to get what they think is some type of level of success or recognition or a fucking viral post or something. It's it's disgusting. Like 
And then, you know, you end up working with these bartenders again, uh, you know, a week later or a month later or something. And then, like, some of them are not shy and they'll tell you, like, what happens or, you know, or what they did and shit like that. And no regrets. But then, like, you know, you never see them, never see you in a commercial, never seen a TV show. <laughs> I was just about, on. yeah, I was about to ask that. Yeah. I was like, did it actually pan out for them? Anyone? I can't, I can't tell you how many, like, people I've met in, like, probably, like, six years of catering and on-call bartending in the hills that I've met people that have completely disappeared. Ooh. Like coming out here from Indiana or like, you know, Montana, Florida, the UK. And then, you know, oh, I don't give a fork. I'll do oh, whatever. And then, well, never see an audition. <laughs> and they just like <laughs> leave the industry altogether. Yeah. I just, who knows? Maybe they fall into something else. I'm not saying it's everyone, but there, there's, you can, if you're friends with them still on social media, you'll see all of a sudden they're, uh, they're not living in town anymore. They're not pursuing something. So either maybe they just quit or maybe just, uh, guilt caught up or whatever it is but yeah that's hard I, just stick to your guns whatever it is, whoever you are whatever it is just like just always stay true and it's it's gonna happen you really feel that way yeah there's like something there's 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 like when it comes to acting there's there's people that are born for it and they you know like leo they're gonna do it from the moment they're alive to the moment they die then there's people that kill it from like 16 to 30 then there's people that kill it from 30 to 60 you know so mm -hmm. everyone has their waves there's people that fit in all those you know so it's like if it, di it didn't happen yet maybe it's because you're not ready to be on camera you're whatever you're supposed to bring isn't there yet or this is all just i'm delusional and i'm making this up just to get through no <laughs> i've no i agree no no, no don't say that i agree with you i agree with you i yeah. think that that's a really and all the successful people that i've spoken to had the pleasure of speaking to on this podcast have said a version of that and it was the right before i quit this thing came through story over and over and over again i mean i have a friend who now has an emmy who called me Oh, like more than once and said, I went back to office work. I'm not pursuing this anymore. And like, I get it. Okay. So is there something that you like a weird thing that maybe doesn't involve like <laughs> questionable morality, just a weird, fun, funny story. It is a comedy podcast, Patrick, <laughs> that you were asked <laughs> to do whilst you were on the clock that you actually did do like, yeah. not like, you know, getting on your hands and knees, but like something funny. Well, uh, I guess this would be funny if you were, uh, if you weren't my table and you saw this. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, this was July 4th, 2009. So you 10. weren't out, you were not in LA yet. Nope. I was serving. Okay. And I had a four top. Tell me this was and like an Applebee's or something like that. What was, what was the restaurant? It's like a, it's like a beach club. Oh, cool. Okay. No, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's like, like we'd wear Hawaiian shirts, you know, it's in the oh. sand, Oh, you know, wicked. Okay. Yeah. And uh fun fact, my name tag uh, said Hollywood on it. Shut up. Did it really? <laughs> That's what. They called me there before I even fell into the Hollywood, so that's funny. So I have a four top, and after they finish their fucking entrees, I'm like, you know, in the kitchen picking up my next ticket, and I'm coming out, and I just catch the last one of the four running out the door. So I fucking drop my plates off, just like the first place I could, which fucked all the plates up I was carrying, and yeah. I fucking sprinted out the door. And when you run out the door, there's like six dunes like in a row. So yeah. it's kind of like it just visually looks funny. Like and it looked like a like a like an ep, like a scene from something like these four fucks are just running away and they get in this Jeep and they just fucking rip right out of the uh, the parking lot. And I'm just running, chasing them. And it's just like and I had to eat that ticket, which was like pretty much everything I made that day. So it was like my first table and just 
like a hundred and like sixty dollar tab. I just there's there's something inherently, in my opinion, absolutely disgusting about a company who makes you the server financially liable for the fact that they can't keep a control of their customers. It is not my job to make sure that nobody leaves without paying. I would I would do my best, but the yeah. fact that you had to eat that money is such horseshit. I would have quit that day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't forgot. Oh, that would have made me so mad. Yeah, that's a terrible story. Okay, great. Was there? Well, a- it was. It's funny from a different perspective, though. If you're like the table next door, like the table oh, yeah. sitting next to them, you see them get up, you're like, "Oh dear," you know. Then, you see, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm running after them. You're like, "Oh, oh." Uh oh. Okay. What? <laughs> what's an incident that made them ask to speak with your manager? Was there ever any? Yeah, there's a there's that happen that happens all the time. Like I take the steak temp medium rare i bring it out it's medium that's not my fault you know so then they just kind of like <laughs> you know when i want want to talk to the manager and like then they start at fuck oh did you get the right temperature and it's like look at look at the fucking ticket it says medium rare i did i am the messenger you know it's like always like things like that are uh there's been like i've always been a little mouthy sometimes i'm sure you can tell what <laughs> <laughs> So like like if I brought brought something and then they're like oh this isn't what I ordered I'm like it's it's exactly what you ordered <laughs> they're like are you te- are you calling me a liar <laughs> if you are saying that you did not order mashed potatoes then yes you are a fucking liar <laughs> wow and then even like the girlfriend would be like honey you did order mashed potatoes you know and it's just like awkward so then they would be like hey can we talk to your manager because you basically just mouthed off to us so yeah like a little bit of attitude you know there's been times where it's attitude or like the order is incorrect or something or you know I always try to like do my best to not like fraternize mm. in the dining hall. You know, you like if, if you're a vet, you know what to do. You always keep that shit on the low. So you know how to like go in the back, you know, with the line cook, you know, and do what you're doing over in back there. Don't do it over by like the, the hostess station or anything. So I always try to keep that out of any uh, light for customers. So usually it would be more my mouth that would get the yeah. manager called over. All right, it was just your mouth. Just your mouth. Okay, great. What was the last straw that got you out of any of your customer service jobs where you weren't fired? So Alicia Keys' 33rd birthday party slash post-Grammy party. Private party. One of the best times of my life. There was like seven of us staffed, you know? It was super intimate, but it was like maybe like 100 guests. And like, you name them, they were there. It was Swiss Beats was hosting. You know, Nas was there. Like, uh... Stevie Wonder was there. I would have died. That is my lover. I would have died. So th- there's a photo somewhere out there where I'm trying, like, I accidentally got cornered and, like, Alicia Keys and Stevie Wonder are, like, hugging for her birthday party. And I'm, like, in the background, like, dead. holding, like, a, a fucking tray of, like, empty cups. Oh, dead. I would have actually died. Robin Thicke walks up to me and he's like, uh, You're my guy tonight. Whenever I need a drink, you know. And it was like, a, and I remember it was like a rum and coke. So I don't like he just give me the look and I go and get bring him a rum and coke. And then like he's he, he was like smoking and joint and he passed it to me and I hit it. And then uh, people were just like super friendly and I was like kind of like drinking with some people and shit. And then like the guy that was in charge, he's like, this is the most ridiculous shit ever. Like it's so unprofessional. And I was like, I was like, if fucking Puff Daddy's friend is offering me a sip of fucking Hennessy, I'm taking that sip. Correct. You know, like Swiss Beats was like. Coming to the stage, best dressed, Nas, and then Nas performed New York State of Mind, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I was fucking six feet away from him watching him perform this in like this dope ass like gangster suit. I've been to Rock the Bells three times. I was arrested twice to see Nas <laughs> all three times. So I've sat like three football fields away 
with all my like drugs and alcohol confiscated trying to go see him. So when I had an opportunity to stand six feet away and watch him perform, I was like, I'm not leaving. So for me, like not leaving the room was like the last straw for him. And he's like, that's it. Like, I'm never calling you back, but he still paid me my cash. And I was like, I was like, fuck you guys. And I, t- what's that? I, I copied a <laughs> thing from Half Bake. I like went around. The- you're cool. Like, you're cool. You're cool. You're cool. And at the manager, I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I bet that any celeb that saw that happen was like over the moon, excited for that incident to just see that in real time. Coolest party I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. You said like one of the best nights of your life. So worth it. Yeah. Um, have you ever told a customer to fuck off? Yeah. Okay. How many times? <laughs> Like probably once a night. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do it with security though? Like, aren't you afraid they're going to like come at you? For what? Like, I'm not the type to just come out and just be like, fuck you. It's just like, I'm trying to think of like a a scenario or situation that happened. Like, uh, okay, here's one. At the comedy store, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a a ticket for the eight o'clock show and you show up at 945, we're not going to let you in. There's a there's a grace period, but it's usually like 45 minutes. It's not anything longer. And usually the reason why is because we have people on standby that want to buy people's tickets that don't show up so we can have a, f- a full room for these comedians. So there's there was one night this guy showed up like 945. And Who waits like, almost two hours for the show? Like, that's insane, though. You've missed the so first two hours. He was like one of those. I don't know. He probably was the, a type of dude that re- records himself dancing in the mirror every, every night. He was like... <laughs> But he was like a big guy too, but you could, he had like waxed eyebrows and shit. And then he tried to like be a tough guy in front of his girlfriend who was totally embarrassed by his like actions. And he was just like, we were like, well, what we can do is we can offer you a, a Coupons refund. Coupons to come back. Or, you yeah. Know? yeah. And then, and then also give him free admission tickets. So that's like, you know, you don't get to see comedy tonight, but now you get to see it twice. You yeah. Know? So it's a pretty good deal. He, yeah. And then he just kept getting mouthy and he was like, oh, fuck. And then he's like, and I was like, I was like, man, I was like, there's no need for that attitude you don't need to speak to her like that you know it's the ticket ticket girl and then then he's like fuck you what are you just a fucking security guard i was like i'll clock out right now and not be one if you want to keep fucking talking like this good for you and without bad an eye but you know like if if you're that's not the direction usually we want to go but you get a lot of people like that and i'm the type that's i'm not going to sit there and eat it like some people need to be taught a lesson and there's been many times where you know sometimes when you bite when you bark back like that it it does actually uh make them realize they're being an asshole and there's no need to go to the next level. Sometimes it does go to the next level, but you'd be surprised how many times, like if you would just come back with like confidence and fiercely, people will understand like, okay, like I was, I was, I was, I was displacing my emotions right there. I was out of place, out of pocket. I, I apologize. I think that's why I get railroaded there or got railroaded there a lot was because I do, I freeze when people like go to be to physically assault me or like scream at me or call me outside of my name. I like don't know how to I just like free and I, I just became an easy target. And the, the servers there who would give it back to you just had a much easier time there because I don't know what it is about that place or maybe it's just the nightclub environment that just makes people want to really, really wish somebody would. I mean, they are always trying people. And I'm like, wh- why? The store for some reason is the, dude i've worked i worked security for like two years at the troubadour I've, I've i've worked shows like like crazy like death metal rock shows with like full pits going crazy like you name it sold out shows alleyways like full of people paparazzi and never had to deal with anything like what i dealt with at the comedy store like nightclubs like crazy bars like what do you people, think it is some, i don't know for some reason like when people come to the store 
I don't know what it is. Like people, when they come in, I don't know if it's like their moment to shine. They think they can like yeah. start barking at the comedians and they can outwit them or something or like you, you are sitting there and you have like, you're putting down maybe three drinks before even like the first big time comedian comes up. So like that doesn't help, but I don't know, man. Like for some reason, it might, I don't know. It might, it could even be the history. It could be what's, you know, embedded in the walls. Yeah. The energy there is very specific. Yeah. I've never experienced a job like that in my life where I've, I've, I've yeah. never been called outside of my name more than there. And I don't, I'm like, I, 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 we all just co-sign on some abuse, but I'm glad that you don't. And it makes me happy that at least a security guard <laughs> can muscle up. Okay. How many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you're on the clock? So, uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember her name. And either, even if I did, I wouldn't be legally allowed to say it, but she had a stalker at the comedy store. Oh, I cleaned. She barfed on me too. I know exactly who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a, a guy that was, he was like, I don't know what he was on several drugs and he, he rolled up to the front. I wasn't in the front. This is the story. Oh, I get, this is a different. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I find out about this person. I get like, Oh, uh, Hey, code fucking red OR. And I go into the OR and I just see this shirtless guy looking like a velociraptor, just fucking just going around the fucking back row of seats. And I'm like, well, buddy, what are you doing? And then he tries running and I like chase him through the back. And then he goes down the hallway. And then like last second, I, I get him. And then me and Curtis, like we get him against the wall. And we're like, buddy, calm down, relax. I was like, don't want to hurt yourself. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And then we just bring him out to the front. And then we try to like calm him down, but he's so his eyes are black, full black. You don't all you don't see anything but like a black fucking quarter in his eye. It's Oof. crazy. And then so we have to like pin him down, and then the the fucking sheriff show up, and they don't do anything, and they call the ambulance. And for like twenty four minutes, I'm sitting there and I'm having to pin this guy on he's on his back and i have like his arms across his chest and he's just like fucking there was no blood but there was like mucus and sweat and all types of shit all over me and i was fucking sweating and i like spilt drinks from like running through the wall over me in the sh like i think the reason why the sheriff's didn't do anything because it would have been like three hours of paperwork but as soon as the ambulances showed up they were allowed to the ambulance people were allowed to like handcuff them themselves but the cops never once touched them so i had to sit there and arm wrestle this guy to the ground for almost a half hour oh i would have been so mad he literally looked like he was possessed. It was wild. I wonder what meth, I guess, can sometimes do that. I wonder what that was. That's too bad. Yeah. The story was he like showed up to the front and he's like, think of just like a philosopher type guy just coming up and he like bobbed and weaved and got by the first guy at the door and then he ran up the staircase and then he went underneath uh, the arms the of somebody, then oh. under the rope and then like juke someone out again in the room. So this guy was like on a mission. Yeah. Something was up. Ugh. Um, was he the stalker? Yeah. Oh boy, that's so. Scary. He was the guy that like showed up like weeks prior. Um, do you personally tip? Yeah. How much? A minimal like twenty to twenty five, just for like standard. And I always go beyond when someone fucking kills it. Do you ever not tip? It's it's very rare. Like usually, the only time I I won't tip is if like it's the most obvious situation where you're just horrible at your job or you just don't <laughs> give a fuck. <laughs> but other than that, like I. I you know, you always, always take care of them. My friend Levi, shout out to Levi Loggins. What up, hon? He told a great story of a guy quitting his job at the table. Like he was a server. He was serving him and his boyfriend and he quit <laughs> at the table. That would, I would tip you all of my money. Like I would give you all of my cash if you quit yeah. at my table. And like, you weren't a dick. You were just like, oh no, I'm done with this. Like yeah. that's my that's ideal scenario. 
Yeah, hats off to you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And is there, have you ever gotten into a situation where a server served you and then escalated things and you had to, like you were a civilian, but you had to squash it because the server was out of pocket? I feel like people try you. That's why I never asked this question on the podcast before, but I feel like people try you a lot. Oh, all the time. It, it literally happened like so. I have, I have a try. I have like two try me stories that just happened like yesterday, but, or like last week. Tell them. So I had to get like three uh, root canals. So like to bring it back, like to bring it back uh, in two, June 6, 2010, a bunch of punks fucking jumped me. And while I was on the ground, they were like kicking my head in. And I apparently got like these hairline fractures and like my molars that grew throughout time. And like eventually they got so bad that I started having severe pains. So then I went in and then had them looked at and there was just like too much damage to have a cap, like a fillet or any, whatever. So we just saw uh, root canal and crowned it. And my girlfriend and I were house sitting her parents' place in Santa Clarita. And I go to this pharmacy and I give them my prescription and she's like, Oh, where uh, can I see your ID? And my ID has my uh, North Hollywood address. So then she's like, your dentist is in the west side. You live in the valley, but you're out here. I can't give you your prescription. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is a CVS. Was it for painkillers? It was for, yeah, it was for a small dose of Vicodin uh, call it, an, uh, antibiotics and uh, painkillers. It literally was like a three-day fucking fill. And she was like, oh, no, I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I have a prescription. This is a place where you fill a prescription. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then she's like, okay, I'll do it for you this one time. And I'm like, what, what was that? Like, that? She maybe was trying to see if you were going to sell it or something, but that's like, crazy. I don't just check. Yeah. So that, that's happened. Like, yeah, getting checked. So, it's something that happen, happens a lot. But have you ever had to do it to a server that was waiting on you? Yeah, there was like, I had one, I forget this. There's a restaurant I went to like a week or two ago where, Someone was like obviously just having a, a, a day of their own and kind of like displacing it on us. And like the service was just, it was bad. I still tipped like 30% because, you know, the, the bill was so big, you know. Mm. But she was just like, like even the other table, one of, one of the other tables actually got up and like said, was like, we're not, we're not even going to, we're not fucking tipping you, blah, blah, this is the worst. And they left and then she carried that over to us. And I was just like, hey, I was like, as a professional, you got to leave, you got to leave that at the door. Like, did you say that to her? Yeah, I was like, you got to leave that at the door. I was like, don't bring that table over here. And you still tipped your thirty percent. That's nice. Yeah, you don't want to. I don't know. Like the the bill was like two hundred, you know, two hundred bucks. So you're not trying to have bad karma. I get it. Yeah. Um, do you ever remember being stiffed as a bartender or server? Yeah, I've been stiff so many times, and this is <laughs> again me speaking back. I can't even tell you how many times where like the bill is like a hundred plus, and they'll leave like five bucks or something or like a dollar and change or something like that just to be insulting. and i'll just and i'll Ugh. gladly and i've done this gladly not even with my own with other people's tables i'll go out to their car and i'll be like hey you forgot your change and they're like oh, i've done know. that too good for you yeah. and you'll give them the five bucks back yeah, or the like, dollar oh, obviously obviously you need it more than uh you need it more than me and what will they say when you give it back to them Oh, let me. Uh, where's your manager? Let me speak to your manager. Are you got? Are you got some fucking mocks, you kid? Like, you know, like sometimes I'll like. Wow, Jimmy Stewart has left you very little money. That's a shame. <laughs> the ghost of Jimmy. <laughs> it's it's crazy how sometimes people. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing going out and dropping like 120 on dinner and then like goose egg and kinda, yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense. But then like there's been a time where we're like I was working a party in Bill Maher was literally sitting six fucking feet away from a bar and he like he like uh asked me to come over he like singles me over and i go up to him and he's like 
I think he's sitting with uh, Seth McFarlane. He's sitting with him and then like two other people I didn't recognize. And then he's like, um, can you get us four vodka sodas or like two vodka sodas, two gin and tonics? I forget. But it was like four simple drinks. And I literally walked six feet over, gave, got the drinks, went over, gave it to him. And then he gave me a 50. Hell yeah. And then he did that like a few more times throughout the night. <laughs> Hell <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, and so I just like posted, I was like, all right, this is my guy now. I'm just going to post up next to him. And I kind of just like separated the difference between the bar and him. And then just was on like pretty much his beck and call. And I was like, this is hilarious. Like this guy is such a baller. He's going to pay 50 bucks to not walk. Listen, Harry. I get it. When I got that kind of money, you best believe I'm going to find the one person that I can trust and be like, and the spot you have 50 every time. Right. Can you, can you think of the worst customer you've ever interacted with or an example of a terrible customer? I mean, that dude you had to pin for 30 minutes is pretty terrible, but do you have any customer that comes to mind when I say that? Like, there's like a lot, like it always depends like where you like, where you work. Cause sometimes you'll get like some people that are just like, just the worst, like to everyone in like Rhode Island that knows like when you work summer gigs, and you got people that come from inland. They're just such. They they don't know what it's like. They don't they don't know the like the beach or the beachside lifestyle. And just like, you know, they're doing too much and then like giving too little. And it's like, you know, you just get like a big big party sometimes, and you get like cut. It gets separated like four times, and they're all adults. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And you're getting shafted on like a three hundred dollar tab that turn into three one hundred dollar tabs that really turn into like. 650s and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, y'all can't Venmo each other. You can't just have one person pay this and like handle business on your own. Yeah, it's that entitlement. I think that that tends to be a through line for most of us that get frustrated. It's like if you're entitled or you feel like we have to solve everything for you, that's when it gets really tricky. Well, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. What is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you're working? I actually, I don't remember her name, but one time I was working this event in the hills and she plays a mom on TV. Absolute sweetheart. I don't know why I can't remember her name. I wish I could remember it because the story's cool. Can you think of the show that she was on? For some, I don't know why I think it's like, I think I, for some reason I think full house, but I don't know. Um, it was like a, like an eighties, nineties mom. It might, I don't know if it was Lori, the, the, the scandal. Oh, Lori Loughlin. I don't, I, I, for some reason, I think it's her, but I don't know if it was. Well, go ahead. We'll just, we'll just leave but, it out. Yeah. A mom but, from uh, a sitcom. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the party's, the party's done. And I'm like, the part, the, it's still kind of going on. There's still people laying around, but the staff is cut. And it was one of those places where you literally have to like, you had to like park far away and then shuttle in. Mm-hmm. And then the shuttles were done at night. So you had to walk like, it was like two miles. And then like, she like pulled up in her Prius and was like, Hey, can I give you a ride? And she gave uh, me and my buddy a ride to our car, and then like thanked us for like what we did that night and everything. And then and then like was like, oh, what else? Like, what do you guys want to do? I know you don't want to serve, and like w- w- uh, wished us the best. And I was like, man. Imagine like <laughs> if everyone was like this, <laughs> well, the yeah, world would be perfect. It, yeah. And I think the difference is, is, and we've said this on the podcast before too, you got seen as a fully realized human being that wasn't just a, a, of service, you know, yeah. that it was like, oh yeah, you're, you're a human being. You're not just a vehicle or a conduit to my food and drugs or whatever. What's the best tip you've ever gotten? Like I've been, there's been several times where like wise guys type, type dudes wearing suits you know like obviously filthy money they'll just like pull out a wad and just like hey you know i like you you know you're a good guy you know and <laughs> fill your pocket up was that at the, I mean, does that happen at the store or elsewhere 
There's it's actually at the comedy store one time. Someone gave me four hundred dollars cash because I uh, escorted him and his girlfriend to the like to the front of the line because it was like a little bit windy and she wasn't like properly dressed and he like just like was obviously like sh- like showing out big and just like pulled out a fat wad gave it gave me uh, like four hundred and that was it. But then he, I didn't I didn't sneak him in. I didn't like cut the line. I literally just walked him to like you know like the OR the front where like. Yeah. The, where it's covered and just was like, oh, you guys can chill here instead of waiting in the line that wraps around the sidewalk. And still give you 400 bucks for that. Yeah. Oh, I work too hard for money there. That's interesting. I wish I were yeah. musclier. Okay. So what's the example or an example of the best customer or if you can think of a best customer and if you can't think of one specific, just in general, what makes you the best customer? Being the best customer is like super easy. Kind of like what I was saying earlier is like if you just apply like 75% of what like what is asked of, Everything just moves so smoothly. If you're a customer, like, go, like especially today's day and age, you ha- like you have to have so much patience because of the protocols that people are going through. Mm-hmm. You have to understand like what they're going through. Like, do you know what it's like to have to wear a mask and a shield? You know, like you have to. I would just say put yourself in their shoes for a just for a second, not a minute. Just do it for a second, and then like everything else is just this easy. Just have no expectations. Read the fucking four agreements before you go out. And, oh, that's such a good book. <laughs> such a good you book know, yes yes live and, uh, by that just treat everyone like equally but like at the same time if someone deserves a lip give them a lip you know <laughs> <laughs> okay what's the best lesson you personally have learned from working in customer service to, honestly to be honest like i've mm. it's like the the cliche like once you lie the lies keep piling on so i like i like i fucked up on like orders before and then like you try to lie and say it's it's not that but then like you can't back that up because that's why there's a delay and then shit like that. So now you can always blame the kitchen. That's what I always do. I'm like, oh, these fuckers forgot to bring this. Well, yeah. I'm going to go. Right? Up. I'm, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Um, okay. <laughs> What's one piece of advice that you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Besides you've said, read the four agreements, you know, do 75% of what's expected like what's what's like something one thing that you would say to make their night go smoothly or something that would be good for them to know just i would just say i'm trying not to repeat anything that i just said honestly just go in there and just whoever it is that you're going with just seek the time that you're having with them Mm. and then let the hospitality take its role and do your role and that's it oh i love that Yeah, that's never been shared like that. I really like that a lot. Well, anything else you want customers to know that you wish they knew before we wrap up? Oh, I think we kind of hit in the head. Yeah, I would just say, uh, yeah, make sure you read the four agreements. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice plug for that book. All right. Um, Well, how can people get in touch with you, Patrick? I mean, I know it's a bummer that people missed you on their TVs for that truck commercial. It was so crazy seeing you out here in Ohio on the TVs. But are you, you know, are you going to be grunting in the forest anytime soon? Like, are you? You know, well, now you're going back to protecting humans at the comedy store. So uh, you're going to, you know, yeah. be sad because you're not going to see me there. But, you know, do your best to have a good time there. But how, how will people get in touch with you? Come check me out at Instagram at Automatic Shattuck. It's uh, automatic, spelled the way it is, and then Shattuck, S-H-A-D-E-C-K. And uh, that's pretty much the only uh, social media platform I use. I have Facebook, but it's purely family and I rarely go on and Twitter is it's just cancer so I avoid it that's right those are facts 
Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review this show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell, send us your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Kate Gaffney. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks, Patrick, for being Thank on. Thank you. And don't forget to go to his website. Look for him at com- on commercials. It's it's patrickshattuck.com, which is, uh, you'll see in the show notes how to spell all of that fun stuff and where to find him. Check out his reels. See his multi-looks. Thank you for giving us so much time. They will love you. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, guys. Thank you, listeners. Good night, everybody. No, I don't know. This is my first time ever doing a podcast, so. Oh, my God. So that's why you were a diva. You're going to shit the bed. This is going to be <laughs> fucking terrible. Great. I can't know. You're going to be great. It's so easy. Okay. You do auditions all the time. This is so, yeah, this yeah. is not this even is- that.